What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. Today's episode, I'm talking about macros. Yes, I know. I'm not talking about the mind. I'm talking about macros, even though the mind goes over the macros. Today, we're going to be talking about the macros over the mind. Um, actually, there's some mindset talking here too. So of course, we had to layer that in. But I wanted to talk about the progressions and regressions when it comes to tracking and also how to get out of the perfectionist and obsessive tendencies when it comes to tracking. So that is the topic today. And If you enjoy the conversation with myself and you listening, then it would mean the world to me if you could spread the love, share the podcast, post it to your stories on Instagram, tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner, leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes, please. And of course, just send the link. There's an episode link on every episode. I don't know if you know that, but you can actually take the link and send it to a friend or family member that you want to torture with my voice in their ears. So those are the ways that you can help. I appreciate it and enjoy the episode. All right, guys, welcome to another live Monday night training in the Personality Diet and Neurotype Training Facebook group. And of course, if you're a Mind Over, Mind Over Macros listener, you get the audio version. You don't get to see my face, which is probably a good thing. I haven't shaved in a little while. Beard's looking a little, a little scruffy. I probably need to groom myself at some point. But this is the thing with working from home. The only time that I really leave the house is to go to the gym. And I don't really care what I look like at the gym. I'm just there to get my workout in. And then back home, that's pretty much it. So there's not really huge incentive to groom and shave, which is a little annoying. I guess I should probably look presentable for Mel since she has to live with me and put up with me. At least I could look somewhat decent <laughs> for her. But anyway, what we're talking about today is macros. I know it's like the mind over macros podcast. I probably should talk about macros sometimes. And here's the thing. I, I, this was kind of inspired by the challenge kickoff call because there's a lot of questions about macros. Uh, we just started our new challenge and there's a lot of excitement in the beginning, but there's also a lot of overwhelm. There's a lot of, uh, you know, moving parts. There's a lot of new people trying to figure things out and that's normal. That's always going to be the case. A lot of the times it has to do with the numbers and macros. And there's also some people who have come from a background of, macro obsession, which was part of my history. You know, when I first found macros, I thought it was like the most glorious thing ever invented. I was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. But what turned, what went from a good thing turned into a, an obsessive thing and a very, you know, um, triggering thing for me that, that kind of facilitated a poor relationship with food, a disordered relationship with my body, with, with exercise and it was just a lot of stress and obsession because I felt like I had to track everything perfectly to the gram day in and day out. I was not okay being like five grams over or five grams under or just off by a tiny bit. I was not okay going out and, and not knowing what was in my food. Like if I went out to eat and I didn't know the, the macros, which is really difficult to know when you're going out to eat. 
I was super stressed. I would get anxiety. Oftentimes I would just not go. Like I would just pretend like I had other plans or I was sick or something because of the macro situation, which is not healthy, right? If, if you're missing out on life experiences, if you're missing out on, on an opportunity to connect with the people that you love, whether that's friends, family, whoever, or just to like go out and be social. If you're, if you're missing out on life because you can't track your macros perfectly, that's not healthy. You know, it's interesting because there, there's a lot of research about um, blue zone areas where people live the longest. So different areas of the world where people live to be 100 plus years old. And in those regions, there are several things that they have in common. What's interesting is that their nutrition style, in other words, like their food composition Do they eat high carb? Do they eat low carb? Do they eat Mediterranean? Do they eat paleo? There's a lot of variance across the board in the types of foods that they eat. So there's not one way of eating that shows to be like, this is the way that you live a long and healthy life. Now, obviously food quality matters, but my point is that you can't just say avoid carbs or eat high carbs or do this or do that. Like there's no blanket statement. The things that they do have in common, they move their bodies. So there's a lot of just general movement, walking, things like that. They prioritize community. They prioritize connection, social connection. So like you would think everything would be specific to like nutrition and we would have all these guidelines about what these individuals do, but a lot of it actually has to do with their social life, their connections, their relationships, their community, more so than their diet. And I think that's pretty interesting. So if you're skipping out on the social part of your life, on the the connections, your community, things like that, your family life, just because you're trying to be perfect on your nutrition, you're doing it wrong. You're, You're sacrificing the wrong thing when it comes to your health. So I think it's important that we talk about macros and how to you know, macros are a tool, like any tool, it can be used or abused. So I want to talk about that. If you're brand new to macros, what's the best way to get in without becoming obsessed? Or if you've been tracking macros for a long time and you find yourself in that obsessive mind state, how do you pull out of that? How do you get back to using the tool instead of being abused by the tool? And this, this applies to everything, right? Like, like the scale. There's a lot of people that can step on the scale day in and day out, and it doesn't impact their emotional state. It's just an objective data. No, it's a, you know, it's a set of numbers. It's a, it's a data point. So there's individuals that can just have no attachment to the number. It's just like their height, you know, like, oh, I'm six feet tall. Okay. It is what it is, right? There's people that can get on the scale and use that tool just for data. And then there's a lot of other people that step on the scale and it ruins their day or it makes their day, depending on what the number says. If the scale's up, it's a bad day. The scale's down, it's a great day, right? That, there's nothing about the scale in particular that can control your emotional state, right? That is, the, it's how you are perceiving the scale, right? It's not the scale itself. 
the scale doesn't talk back. The scale doesn't do anything. It just sits there and it spits out a number, but it's the perception. It's how you allow that to influence you. That's the biggest difference. So any tool like scale, like macros can be used or abused. Macros can be great for creating awareness around food choices, how much you're eating, the composition of your meals, reading food labels, how certain foods make you feel can be really empowering, or it can also be really stressful. It can be obsessive. It can create you know those situations that I talked about where you're missing out on social events and life because of macros. The scale can be a valuable data point, even though it's just one data point, it can provide some useful information. However, it can also provide a lot of stress. It can provide a lot of uh, emotional turmoil. There's the negative side of that. It's, it's often the individual. It's not, it's not the object or the tool itself. It's, it's how we're perceiving it or how we're using it or letting it use us. So when it comes to macros, the first thing I want to start from like, where do we begin and then how do we progress? And what's the mindset that we can take to avoid allowing macros to stress us out and to create those obsessive situations? And if you do get down that, that path, that rabbit hole, how do you crawl out of that? So for starters, if you've never tracked macros before, I recommend you don't change a thing. Like literally don't change anything. Keep doing what you're doing for the next three to seven days. Just start playing around in MyFitnessPal or any other tracking app and just get used to logging what you eat. Don't think about like, oh, I have to eat this. I have to eat that. Just eat as you normally would and get in the habit of tracking it, logging it into MyFitnessPal. Don't try to hit numbers. Don't set targets for yourself. Just eat what you're going to eat and track it. That's it. Because the first thing is actually getting into the act of learning how to track. It's like if you were to start playing the guitar, likely the guitar teacher wouldn't throw out a song right away and was like, all right, day one, we're going to start with Led Zeppelin, right? Like they're not going to do that. They're going to teach you the chords. They're going to teach you certain notes. And then ultimately you can put those pieces together to play songs. But with macros, we have to learn the chords. We have to learn the notes. So get used to the app itself and the, the you know, act of tracking. If I'm eating this, what do I, how do I weigh it? How do I enter this? How do I know if it's a good entry or not? Do I weigh it raw? Do I weigh it cooked? The answer is you pick one and you stick with it, but get into the act of weighing, measuring, and logging. Just do that for three to seven days. That's your starting point. Once you start to do that, you'll, you'll first of all, you'll get into the habit, but second of all, you'll start to see some low-hanging fruit. And usually what that looks like, if you're, if you're not used to tracking, you just start logging what you're eating. Typically, you'll start to realize, number one, I probably don't eat enough protein. And number two, maybe my food quality isn't the best. Those are usually, and this is obviously a generalization, everybody's different, but typically 
those are two things that we see very frequently. If we get a new client who comes to us without having tracked before, those are typically the two biggest things that we see right off the bat was, you know what? I thought I ate pretty well, but now that I'm actually tracking, my food quality is not the best. And then number two is, man, I thought I got in a decent amount of protein, but it's actually really low. Those are the two things. Um, And then maybe if I'm adding in a third, it would be a lack of vegetables, but that kind of goes hand in hand with the food quality. Um, So vegetables and protein typically are are on the lower side. Food quality in general um, tends to be not the best in the beginning, but that's why we do it, right? Awareness is always the first step for change. You can't change what you're not aware of. So we have to start from a place of awareness and then we can put the game plan in place to start making progress. So that's number one, just start tracking, get into the act of tracking. Then once you see the low hanging fruit, if it's quality, right? And we always start with one thing, change one thing at a time. So the first thing that I would do is, all right, we're going to start working on, let's say, getting protein up. Like, let's say the low-hanging fruit for you is that you struggle to get protein. Well, now we're going to start to look at different protein sources that you enjoy, foods that you like that are high in protein. Maybe it's meat, maybe it's chicken, maybe it's fish, maybe it's you know dairy, um, protein powder, you know Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, whatever it may be for you. Salmon, right? Ground turkey, ground beef, whatever it is. We're going to start to look at some protein sources and we're going to take incremental increases. We're not going to go zero to a hundred. We're just going to gradually increase protein over time. We're not going to try to hit like all of these different numbers because remember, this is starting from brand new. You're not going to sit there and have your whole macros outlined and be like, all right, well, it's, it's day eight. Now I spent the first week just getting in the habit of tracking what I was doing and now I'm, I know I'm low in protein, so I'm just going to start hitting all of my macros. That doesn't make sense. You want to start one step at a time. So gradually increase, find those foods that are high in protein that you enjoy and start to incorporate them into your life, into your nutrition plan. Like it doesn't have to be this like huge overhaul, crazy change. It can literally be, you know what? I should probably add like an extra egg and some egg whites with breakfast. So, you know, maybe for breakfast you were eating like a bagel and instead of a bagel, you decide to have a half a bagel and two eggs. And then you decide to have, you know, the, the next week it's two eggs and some egg whites and a half a bagel. And, and maybe we throw in some veggies, right? So now we're just taking it one step at a time. At lunch, you have a salad, but maybe we can throw on some some grilled chicken on the salad or some salmon on the salad or some shrimp, something like that to increase the protein, right? It's just little things here and there that we can do to start moving in the right direction. At that point, maybe we can start to put some calorie totals in place. That's usually the first number to get in the habit of tracking. If you're brand new, and you've never tracked macros before, start with just calories, have a calorie total and look at it from a week to week basis. Like you want to know, all right, each day I kind of have a number that I'm trying to hit, but what does that look like over weekly averages? So for example, if my daily total is 2000 calories a day, seven days a week, that would be 14,000 calories in the week. So I'm going to look at that more importantly than just the day-to-day. Because if one day I eat 4,000 calories, 
rather than feeling like a horrible person, I can just look at that and say, okay, well, it's 4,000 calories out of my 14,000 calories for the week. Now I've got 10,000 calories left for the rest of the week. Okay. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be a, a whole, oh my God, I'm such a horrible person. It can just be, I'm a normal person and some days I'm going to eat more than others, right? That could also be the logical assumption. Um, so getting in the habit of, of tracking calories from that point on uh, is, is likely the best next step. And then from there, once you get used to your calorie totals, what I would add is going from calories to protein and calories. And this is where you have a specific protein target and you have a specific calorie target. So let's keep with the 2000 calories. Let's say that we're going to add 120 grams of protein as a target while we're hitting that 2000 calorie target. So that means that carbs and fats are going to fall in any kind of a ratio that lands you at 2000 calories. So you know definitively that you're going to be right around 120 grams of protein per day, which if I'm doing quick math is 480, 480 calories. So essentially you're looking at because protein is four calories per gram. And that's how you get that number. So 120 times four is 480, right? And so then for your daily total, we're taking that 480 off of the 2000. So you're going to have 1520 left over between carbs and fats to hit 2000 calories. And here's the best part about doing it this way. It doesn't fucking matter your ratio of carbs and fats. It will be the same body composition wise, regardless. So that means that some days you can have more carbs than fats. Some days you can have more fats than carbs. You don't have to worry about it. You're just going to focus on protein and calories and that's it. You're going to hit your carbs and fats in a way that allows you to stay within that 2000 calorie range. And again, it doesn't have to be perfect because we're just going to look at weekly averages over time. And the more that we can remove the need to be perfect, the better. Because it's an imperfect science. It's an imperfect way of doing things. There's inherent imperfection baked in to this process between food label flaws and human error and all of this stuff. It's just imperfect. So let's remove that off the table right away. So now you're, you're tracking your protein, your calories, you're feeling pretty good about yourself, but you're like, all right, well, this is pretty, I, I'm got, I've gotten in a good groove here with protein and calories. Now I'm just going to do the whole thing. I'm going to track all my macros, protein, carbs, and fats. Um, what a lot of people fail to understand is like, they're like, well, I, I track my calories, but I don't track my, or I track my macros, but I don't track my calories or vice versa. Like if you're doing one, you're essentially doing both because your macros make up cal. You can't get calories from any other source. Okay, so protein, carbs, and fats, those are the only sources of calories that you can consume plus alcohol. That's it. Calories don't come from anywhere else. So if you're hitting macros, you're hitting your calories. Now, there may be a time where you're tracking your macros and you're doing your equation, right? You know that protein is four calories per gram. You know that carbs are four calories per gram. You know that fats are nine calories per gram. So you're all dialed in and you're like, wait a minute, I did my equation here, but the calories aren't adding up to what they're supposed to be. That's because there's likely an error 
either in my fitness pal or on the food label that you're using. Like, for example, there might be a food that you're eating where the label tells you that it's 60 calories and you log it in my fitness pal and it comes up as 60 calories. However, you're actually putting in something that's more than 60 calories because they deducted fiber or sugar alcohols or some way of reducing, like they're using net carbs instead of total carbs. They're rounding down because they're allowed to round down, right? All of these different things where maybe the food is actually 90 calories. So you're putting in the protein, carbs, and fats. You're doing your own calculation for the calories and it comes up different than what MyFitnessPal says. That's totally normal. In those cases, just pay attention to the macros because the macros don't lie. The calories can lie. On food labels, their report, if, if a food label reports protein, carbs, and fats, you've got everything you need to figure out the calories. I don't care what they put as their calories. I've seen calorie calculations, literally hundreds of calories off. And I know some people are like, you can't do that. That's illegal. And it kind of is. You're allowed about a 20% uh, margin of error, but it's also not very tightly regulated. So you will see situations where it's a lot more than that. It is what it is. But if you know that going in, just pay attention to the macros and, and who cares what the label says. Um, I know it can be confusing at first, but that's why ultimately we progress from not tracking to just logging to just tracking calories, to just tracking protein and calories, to tracking all of your macros, because then that's going to be the most accurate way of knowing what you're consuming. Now, I did a whole episode on how to incorporate restaurant meals and alcohol and vacation, stuff like that. I'm not going to go over that again, but I do want to mention that if you know that it's imperfect, and if you know that averages over time are the most important thing, then it should not stress you out to be perfect. If it stresses you out to be perfect, like you feel like you have to be perfect every single day, it's simply a result of a lack of patience and you're self-sabotaging is what you're doing. Perfectionism is a form of self-sabotage. Let's just call it what it is. That's a fact. It's okay. It makes you human. There's nothing wrong with that. So if you find yourself trying to be perfect. Take a step back. Take a step back and think about the fact that averages over time are most important. It's already an imperfect way of doing things. And maybe you should try being patient and delaying gratification because that will pay off in the long term. It's just simply a form of self-sabotage. If you know you're doing it, then we want to start to back away, right? Incorporate a, a, a non-track day. Incorporate a non-tracked meal, start to pull away from the obsession, release the need to control everything and give yourself a break. Take a day off, take a meal off, take two days off, take a week off, do whatever you need to do to get to a place mentally where you're okay with not being perfect. And then you'll see that the world didn't end and you didn't lose all of your progress, that everything was fine. Because here's typically what happens when you try to hold on tight to that control, when you try to be so perfect with your macros, you end up binging, you end up losing control, you end up in that all or nothing way of doing things, which will set you back. That will set you back. 
not tracking and, and not having like, you know, you go out to a restaurant and you don't know the exact macros. So you either guess the calories, or you just don't track it at all. That's not the problem. The problem is how you react to that when you're like, oh my God, I couldn't track everything. So I might as well just eat everything in sight. That is a direct result of trying to be too perfect, of trying to control everything. So it's okay to take a step back. It's okay to decide, you know what? This is a little bit too obsessive. I'm going to stop. I'm going to take a week off from tracking, or I'm only going to pay attention to calories, weekly totals, right? Like we can regress the same way that we progressed. Just like you did with the calories to protein and calories to macros, you can dial it back and just, you know what? I'm just going to dial it back to just protein and calories or just calories for now. I'm just going to look at my weekly totals and I'm going to try and stay somewhere in that range. Like you can take a step back just like you take steps forward, depending on the impact that, that it's having on your mindset or your, your emotional state or however it's influencing you. You have to have that level of self-awareness to say, if this is controlling me, if this is becoming obsessive, I should probably take a step back. I should probably regress. I should probably just give myself a break. It doesn't, it's knowing when to do that is key. And, and here's the, the other reality. It's so difficult when, when you're just doing this on your own and you're trying to deal with your own self-sabotage, like catching yourself in your own self-sabotage and having the awareness to stop it um, is pretty difficult to do. And I'm saying that from personal experience because I let myself go through that shit for like 10 years before I got the courage to ask for help, before I was like, you know what? I need somebody in my corner who's going to hold me accountable, who's going to tell me when I'm, I'm sabotaging and help me get through it. It took me a long time to ask for help. So learn from me. Don't make the same mistakes that I made. It's a lot more difficult on your own than it is when you have support and accountability and a community and other people that are all going through the same kind of stuff. So reach out, like get that, that accountability and that support that you need. It is much more uh, effective just from a time standpoint, from an energy standpoint. Um, and long-term, it pays off many times over. So highly recommend that. But the bottom line is, macros are not the problem. It's how we use them or how we let them use us. There are ways to utilize macros. And, and one other thing, if you're following a meal plan and it's not for like medical purposes, I would highly recommend not doing that. And I know I, I like to, I typically stay away from blanket statements, but, but here's the reality about meal plans. They don't teach you anything and you become dependent on them. You don't learn anything about what your body responds to. The only thing that it tells you is you can follow a plan. That's it. It doesn't tell you anything about what your body responds to. It doesn't tell you anything about foods that you enjoy or foods that sit well with you. It's literally just you following a meal plan. Like somebody writes out, this is breakfast, this is lunch, this is dinner. And you're like, okay, check, check, check. I did it. Thank you. And like, what does that teach you? I believe that everybody should learn how to fish instead of being handed a fish. So that's one of the things with macros, like, well, what should I eat to fill my macros? You should eat the foods that you enjoy that help you feel your best. And that's going to look different for everybody. So that's why it does take some time. It takes, to, it takes some experimentation, like start to folk prioritize those things, pay attention to how your body feels, pay attention to digestion and energy levels and recovery and sleep. And you'll start to see that 
oh, you know what? When I start my day with a little bit more carbs in the morning, I feel a lot more energetic throughout the day. Or when I end my day with a high carb dinner, I sleep a lot better. You'll start to connect the dots as to certain things that make your body feel its best. And that's what this is all about. If you can learn what makes you feel your best, what you can stay consistent with, and what's the most enjoyable for you, you will be successful forever. That's like the the lifelong solution that everybody is looking for. It's not super sexy and it's not all that complicated. It's literally just taking the time and having the patience to find what works best for you, what your body responds to, what makes you feel your best and what you can stay consistent with. That's it. And what you enjoy. That's it. That's the secret. Now you have exactly what you need to be successful. And if you need help doing that, we're always available. Just hit me up. Um, You can message me on Instagram. You can message me on Facebook. Um, On Instagram, it's at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. On Facebook, it is Michael Milner. Gosh, I'm not going to, that will never be normal until I can change it back to Mike Milner. It will never be normal to say that Um, just because nobody calls me that except for my mom and for my, uh, and for Mel's youngest daughter. That's it. Those are the only two people. And now all of Facebook probably thinks like, oh, he got really professional. No, it was Facebook that made me do it. And uh, I'm not happy about it. But anyway, you can hit me up anywhere that you want to communicate and talk about coaching. Or, you know, if you just have questions, I'm always happy to help. And I will talk to you guys very soon. 